Welcome to the Shenandoah Valley Life Podcast, where we introduce you to Shenandoah Valley residents who are living, working, and thriving in Virginia's iconic valley. Ready to make the Shenandoah Valley your home? Visit ShenandoahValleyLiving.com to start your Shenandoah Valley life. Welcome to the Shenandoah Valley Life Podcast. I'm Jay Langston, the Executive Director of the Shenandoah Valley Partnership, the Regional Marketing and Economic Development Organization for the Shenandoah Valley. Today, we are interviewing Greg Rogers, the CEO of the Shenandoah Valley Electric Co-op. Greg, welcome to the Shenandoah Valley Life Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, I'm going to just start off with the, the first question is, Greg, how did you get here in your position with SVEC? Well, I'm a longtime uh, Shenandoah Valley resident, uh, born and raised uh, in Winchester, uh, Frederick County area. Uh, went to high school uh, in Frederick County at James Wood High School and uh, then went off to college uh, where I attended Virginia Tech, uh, electrical engineering major. Um, about the third year of that, I got really interested in the power sector. And uh, actually, there was a summer job open at the um, uh, Potomac Edison office in Winchester uh, to do summer work. And I uh, joined up and did that. Uh, really did like it. Um, went back, finished my last year of school. And the only time I've went away from the Valley was when I graduated. There was no jobs available at that time at the power company. And I went to work for the Navy. Uh, I was a civilian engineer for the Department of the Navy. I worked at uh, the David Taylor Naval Research Center in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, and I worked mainly on aircraft carriers and, uh, and, the, uh, and the flights at the time. Of course, it was about the same time as uh, the first Top Gun came out. And I really <laughs> thought I was something, you know. But uh, uh, still sort of longed to kind of get back home and be part of the Valley again. And uh, a job a- opened up with the... Uh, uh, Potomac Edison Company, which ultimately came Allegheny Power. And uh, I took that job, came back to the area, and really have been in the valley ever since then. Um, in about 2010, the co-ops, uh, a couple of them, Shenandoah Valley Electric Co-op and Rappahannock, uh, decided to purchase some of the distribution assets from, from the uh, Potomac Edison Company, Allegheny Power at the time. And honestly, I really didn't want to leave the valley. I wasn't part of the... Uh, the sale at first, but I asked to be included uh, so that I could go along with the people that I really had worked with for the most of my life. Yeah. And uh, I came over to the co-op, uh, really enjoy the co-op model, uh, the whole thing where you basically are serving the member and, uh, and you know, whatever you do, it's either for their benefit or at their cost and whichever one they want, that's what you kind of end up with. So I came here, I was a director of, uh, uh, district operations at the time and went up to the VP of engineering and operations and in 2020 became the CEO at the co-op. So it's been a really pleasure for me to, to follow my same career path while staying in the Valley. That is fantastic that you can do that. And I'll wrap back uh, around to that kind of uh, opportunities uh, a little later in our discussion, but you are the, the, Chief Executive Officer for Shenandoah Valley Electric Co-op. Uh, talk about 
the history a little bit. I think that for those of our audience who are here in the Valley, they understand that the co-op is a provider of the electrical uh, utility service for their house, but they may not know why we have the co-ops and how they came about. And I, I just find the, the rich history very interesting. Yeah, the the I mentioned it. I really do love the co-op model. And it was formed uh, back in the mid-30s. Uh, about nine out of every ten rural uh, uh, homes did not have electricity. Um, the investor owns, which makes sense, they migrated to the cities. And uh, that's where the power was at the time, and that's where they could get the most people per density. And and, uh, the density is what they were after, so they could spread the cost accordingly. Well, that left the rural areas really uh, hurting at the time. And so in 1935, President Roosevelt put together the Rural Electric Administration, and uh, Mm -hmm. and it was not till a year later in 1936 that they actually passed the act. And uh, I am proud to say that Shenandoah Valley Electric Cooperative was the first one chartered in Virginia uh, in 1936. So we have a long, rich, rich, rich history of being uh, here in the Valley. And, um, uh, you know, again, it was born out of the cooperative principles that I think really helped dovetail into what the Dev- the Valley was already doing. There's a strong agricultural base here. Yeah. So the... The really the concept of a, a a cooperative really did people understood it, and uh, we do follow the seven cooperative principles. But you know to kind of draw it in from from our mission, uh, it really comes down to really three of them that that really relate to the valley here directly, and that's democratic control. You're owned by the members. Mm-hmm. What they want mm-hmm. is what you want, and that's what you provide. Mm-hmm. And they have the ability to vote in directors that would help them, uh, you know what they want. Uh, Second is obviously concern for the community. We've been concerned for the community since day one. We are here to uh, empower the community to become what they need. Um, We do that through obviously economic development is one of the the critical factors for that. Uh, We try to be a good partner that help bring that into the valley uh, so that uh, folks like me have the opportunity to stay. And, uh, and also, we want to make sure that uh, we are creating a safe environment uh, for, for everyone that lives here, and, and we kind of move that forward. And then the last one is economic participation. The nice thing about our model is when we uh, do better than we expect to do and we save some money and we, we make some extra money, that gets dispersed back to our membership as our financials allow that by our board. And uh, that's also uh, unknown in the, in, in the investor world. And, and it really does bring back the benefit to the people who are paying for the service. Yeah, so really I, I, great explanation of how the co-op started and where they are coming from. Inherently, you're covering a rural region. And it has its opportunities and challenges, but you alluded to, you know, typically the rural, particularly when, you know, the Rural Electrification Act, and that's hard for me to say, uh, it started, it was agriculture. There was very little industry. Talk about you, and you mentioned it just a second ago, you're doing some very interesting things from an economic development standpoint, but let people know sort of what the co-ops have done for the rural regions. 
Yeah, we uh, we uh, really we're we're one of the larger cooperatives in the country. So we have we're about in the top thirty or so of nine hundred cooperatives across the nation. And uh, the joke in the cooperative world is if you've seen one cooperative, you've seen one cooperative uh, because we're all different. different. And uh, our territory is no different from that. We don't follow the typical cooperative uh, model because we do have very vast rural areas where we have the challenges that we continue to have today of getting the infrastructure in there because of the lower density. But we are now seeing as uh, we serve a small city in in the city of Winchester, and we're now seeing that all of our counties are seeing strong suburban growth. And Mm -hmm. so that has migrated us over the decades to not only one that's based in residential and agriculture, but we are strong in industrial, commercial, and uh, really all the aspects of life uh, show up here in the valley very strongly. And we benefit from that diverse background. We went through the pandemic a few years ago. Uh, Our diverse background really helped us. We weren't relying on one industry and and just on the residential side of things. We had a lot of, uh, we have a multitude of industries available here in the Valley and and really are attractive because of our uh, transportation corridors uh, to try to get people here. And then of course you get to the Valley and you see the scenery and you stay, you know, so, we are pretty strong when it comes to that, but we do still have the challenges that when it comes to the rural cooperatives for some of the lines that extend up into our mountains, uh, we have to cut right away. We have to mm-hmm. do the maintenance on a mile of line, regardless of whether there's four, four members on it right. or 400 members on it. Right. And so our model continues to work well in providing people the uh, electricity at something at a price they can afford. You're really stepping up your economic development efforts here, and I greatly appreciate it because you've hired a good friend of mine who I've known over the years, Lucas Cave. Give him a plug there. But to your point, it really is um, an equity situation that the co-ops brought to rural areas. You were talking about our economy. We're blessed in the Shenandoah Valley to have a large, diverse manufacturing base. But before the co-ops, that just didn't really exist, did it? Talk about your economic development uh, yeah, programs we, uh, and efforts. We sure, uh, uh, over the past couple of years, and you, you mentioned the hire of Lucas, and uh, and um, he has a long-time history working with that. Uh, John Sisler, who has a long-time history of, of working with that, and, and many mm-hmm. in our engineering department, they know what it takes to, to, to serve all these vast types of things. So they're not rooted in just what it takes to serve an underground subdivision. They're very comfortable knowing exactly what it takes to serve large industry, and we have many of them here in the Valley. And so we decided that it was very important for us to grow in this space. And uh, we, we added that department a few years. That helped us with the resources that we had to put even more effort into that and uh, really become part of making our community um, attractive to have people stay. Uh, we really want uh, the folks that have the that live here and and they grow up here like I did. I went to high school here. We want those people to go to college and, and even go college here if they want to and come back and make sure that they root their life here because uh, that's what's going to keep the valley the way 
the way we like it, and we really do appreciate it. We also feel um, that the remoteness uh, that came out of the pandemic that started up is even adding more value to the Valley because mm-hmm. there, there's folks that are able now to even work remotely, even if their jobs take them outside the Valley. And so we need to make sure there's a strong economy here so that all those folks can, can do exactly whichever path they want to do. Yeah, you are investing as well. Uh, how do you go about planning as a co-op for the growth that we're fortunately seeing? You're a big part of that. You cover the, the bulk of our, our region from an electrical standpoint. Talk about the challenges. Talk about the opportunities that you see. And I know this will – we will uh, – talk about broadband as a result of, of this as well. But talk about that because we've seen uh, a project um, in the last 18 months that was just huge from an electrical draw, probably not realistic for us, but it may be coming our way. Yeah, the, I've been in this industry 34 years now, and uh, you know, from day one I expected to put stuff in the ground that's supposed to last until after well beyond I'm gone. I mean, so the window that we plan with is very long and extended. And so just now am I seeing some of the stuff I did as an early (laughs) engineer, you know, age out and it's like, uh, okay, you're older, but, uh, uh, but I I think we've been a rooted in planning from the beginning. Uh, I will say over the last decade, that window has compressed greatly. And so yeah. we, the change that's occurring in our industry is happening much faster. And um, um, the technology that's infused in it also is giving it a, a, um, a much faster pace of turnover. So we, are, uh, we have stayed ahead of it and we have uh, planned for it. And um, our planning horizon now, while it was 30 years, you know, it, it continues to move back, and the pace that we see change is, is happening very rapidly. But luckily, we've done those things for over the 30-year period. We foresaw it. We put it out there while it's right for our members. Right. And, um, you know, one reason that electricity is a monopoly is the fact that you have to make an investment now for the future. And we need to be able to make sure that uh, it, it, it has a, a revenue stream that's going to support it and many cases, because of the planning we do, that's providing the benefits as they kind of come online, come online as we go. And, uh, and we've been able to, we're very lucky uh, to be one of the lowest cost people in Virginia as far as p- providers of electricity. And so we continue to know that that planning plays a valid part of that. And, and as we see some of these big opportunities come, we know that they actually have opportunity for the communities that we're in even well beyond the electricity benefit right. that we see added to our our stuff. And so we make sure that we factor all that in. I mentioned one of the cooperative principles of concern for community. So it's not just about providing uh, safe, reliable electric service and affordable. It's about, you know, what it takes to do that and, and then have your communities thrive. And that's where our planning comes in. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something, uh, obviously, with the pandemic and people staying at home. Uh the need for broadband. Uh, talk about the middle mile that you're engaged uh, in the broadband infrastructure. Um, 
I'm going to let you take it away. I just exhausted my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now this is where you've seen one co-op, you've seen one co-op. Uh, we, there are areas out there where uh, literally they are fully rural areas. They have no broadband access. And so a lot of uh, my compadres here even in Virginia even have gotten in broadband all the way to the home. And they have no little to no infrastructure in their whole territory. And it really does dovetail nicely. What we saw in our territory was the mix I talked about, mm -hmm. where we have some membership with two or three choices, and then we have other members with none. And so we needed to look for a way to help uh, bridge that gap while supporting our electric infrastructure. And actually the planning we talked about from an economic development and all those standpoints, our middle mile is very supportive of those processes because it looks to interconnect our electric grid and our substations from an electrical perspective, all our devices, and it gives us that real-time data we need to be able to operate our system. Uh, while we're putting that up, we realize that, hey, you throw a few more fibers in there and you become an opportunity for the many ISPs we have in our territory right. to lease from us. And uh, at maybe a, you know, at a cost that would be different if they had to install it themselves. And uh, we're hoping that that helps bridge the gap. Uh, we've been, uh, we have a few uh, ISPs in our area that have uh, gotten part of the VADI process. And yes. uh, one That's a state, yeah, yeah, a state the system. The state system yeah. uh, for uh, expanding broadband. We're, uh, the county and the, um, the ISP are the ones that engage with that. But we're out here to basically do uh, middle mile if they need that, but also do the con the uh, the pole attachments where these people are going to connect to finally get to the home. And we really think that those people, that's the business they're in and in our territory with the wide diversity, that this is a really nice fit to do what we need for the electrical system, but maybe help uh, some of these folks that uh, they just need maybe getting some of that main mile, one more mile, and then the ISPs can take it from there. So that's kind of uh, how that dovetails together. And honestly, we're really excited for the technological aspect of it. As I mentioned, uh, this is the kind of thing you need to operate the system at the speed it needs to operate to handle the types of loads that we're talking about having. And so uh, this new communication infrastructure is going to help us provide the protection we need on our system to allow us to do the things we need to do. Yeah, and it really transcends all sectors from the residential to the industrial to the professional and business services. Uh, every sector now needs the, the broadband capability uh, because just of the data transfer that we're all <laughs> engaged uh, in nowadays. Yeah, and so you point, uh, that's a great point. The uh, getting rural broadband to the end of the line is a great thing and it's a great equalizer for the rural systems that we in but here in the Shenandoah Valley just like I mentioned before just like the transmit uh, transportation corridors going uh, north south east and west uh, these these broadband technology corridors do the same thing and so we're poised to be part of that system as, as well so that doesn't just fall back to the local needs but maybe uh, a lot of this data transfer as it goes from the south to the north and, and hits some of the uh, large data areas in the country. So. We very much appreciate what you're doing in addition to the electrical with the broadband yeah. to, to reach out to, to all of our constituents in that regard. 
Greg, you mentioned something earlier which really resonates with me, and that is talent and workforce. I know that we're all in a fight for talent nowadays, but talk about your great success story uh, in this regard. Tell us about some of the career opportunities that you have within your industry, and I, I will just leave it at that, yeah, and you can expound expound on it. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, back when I started a long time ago, you know the staples of it were uh, the accountants and the uh, and the, the linemen certainly are at the certainly. core, yeah. uh, then engineering. You know, those were all the staples of what it took to run an electrical industry. That has drastically changed, uh, and especially in the last five years, I mentioned the last couple of decades with the invite of technology. Uh, so not only are we going to need the engineers the, the, and the line workers, certainly they'll continue to be staples, but the accountants uh, are, are so important. Um, you know, as we navigate all these waters of all the different programs that are out there and how you manifest that self into being able to be a, a positive for your membership, uh, we have to know how to handle those things appropriately. And uh, the accountants play a big role in that. Certainly member service representatives are key for us uh, getting the input from our membership so that we understand what they need. Uh, certainly, IT professionals have become uh, very, very necessary in yeah. our world. We yeah. live in a data-driven world. We really need to, uh, to try to drive uh, improvement through all the processes we have, and all that comes from the data that we get. Um, you know, things where years ago we called them maps and records clerks, uh, now they're GIS coordinators because they <laughs> literally are um, taking way more information and putting it graphically and in a system that helps us take the best benefit uh, from it. Uh, certainly me mechanics, we have tons of uh, opportunities for working on the large equipment fleet that we have. And, uh, and in the valley, uh, this won't surprise you, we have a lot of trees. Yes. Uh, and so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a big part of, a uh, matter of fact, our biggest expense is to maintain uh, a safe corridor for our trees uh, to uh, coexist with our power lines. And we do a lot with right tree, right place, and we try to tell people where to plant the right trees. But at the end of the day, the lines going up over these mountains, they so we have vegetation management. So we really touch about every aspect that you can possibly imagine out there. And uh, we really do look for um, bright people to come in that are energetic and really want to uh, take this stuff to the next level uh, with all the changes that we have in our industry. And uh, electric vehicles are coming, uh, or they're here. Uh, there's, there's just so much other stuff that continues to happen with this industry. And I believe at the end of the day, there's probably a home for anybody that likes this model to find uh, something that they could do with us. I would think so. I, I can only imagine that you hire environmental scientists, arborists, all to the mechanics, engineers, financial analysts, I, the IT. I can't imagine that there is almost it, no job that you can't, you know, well, you must have, I guess, to, to do that. And uh, hopefully you're receiving you know some of the talent from the valley we are yeah yeah and uh and it's been good to, to reach out there and really see some of that uh we just had an ev grand prix which we've uh now sponsored for two years and that provides kits to 
uh, about 12 local high schools, and they come uh-huh. and compete. And just seeing what these kids do <laughs> with the new soapbox derby, uh, in air quotes, uh, these yes. new soapbox derby cars has just been absolutely phenomenal. And I can see a lot of talent that's coming up through those local high schools that, you know, are going to be perfect for what we see. The one thing that we have that has not changed in the 34 years that I've been here, and it doesn't matter, uh, it may be grounded in the line work, but it doesn't matter, uh, it crosses all the jobs, we try to instill it in our whole cooperative as a culture, is safety. Yeah. And so one thing you'll see us do is take safety first and foremost and really try to create the culture to where uh, you never can bank safety. Uh, what you were safe yesterday was good, but now we got to worry about today, today. and tomorrow. And uh, fortunately, uh, in in just in this May, uh, we have one of our districts reach 30 years without a lost time injury, and we have another district out of our five that's coming up in September that'll reach that same 30 year milestone. And as I said, those are phenomenal, phenomenal goals. Those but, stats, yeah. But you can't bank it. So right. we got to take all that stuff and we got to keep dwelling it in the folks that come into the cooperative to make sure that safety continues to be our, our leading driver. Because while I, I am so, so proud of all the any safety accomplishment they have, what I'm most proud of is them going to home at night and, mm-hmm. and to their family. So, so uh, if you come to the cooperative, uh, no matter whether you're any of those positions we've talked about, you can count on getting a dose of safety. <laughs> and uh, we don't stop at the workplace. Uh, there's a lot of things people can do at home. We need our employees each and every day. All of them are so valuable for our service to be provided that we can't afford for any of them to be uh, to be out or lost or certainly not not the worst case scenario. So we make sure that we focus on safety because at the end of the day, that is one of the true even from not, if you take out the humanity side of it, it is one of the true cost factors that you end up dealing with. Absolutely. Well, that was a great public service announcement for something that we should all adhere to. That's right. Really, really well. Greg, wrapping it up, um, the question that I ask everyone, sometimes it's very hard for a lot of people. Sometimes it's very easy. But what is your perfect day in the Valley? Yeah, I, I have a lot of personal ties to the Valley, so I can answer that many ways. But when it comes to... And feel free to. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to the cooperative, uh, you know, we, we're grounded in providing safe, reliable, and affordable electricity. And so the perfect day for me, obviously, I just mentioned it, that's every m- employee goes home to their family. And honestly, every member of the public out there that's out there, they go home safely to their family as well. So that's yeah. number one. The second one is, it's a nice day, and they all nobody has a power outage. That's the reliability <laughs> part of it, and uh, and just so you know, we don't just work when, we, when when an outage occurs. We really take the philosophy that what we do every day prevents the outages or reduces them uh, when that bad weather and other stuff comes. So we do we do see all four seasons here in the valley. Yes, we and, do. Uh, that is a nice thing. But uh, we, we do have to deal with some of the ramifications of that mixed with the trees. Uh, so, um, so that's number two. And then number three is being good stewards of the, the dollars that our members give us to do this service and making sure that it's to their benefit 
uh, so that they can enjoy. Uh, we really do feel like electricity empowers the daily life to the point to where people don't even know it exists. And, yeah. uh, and I think uh, we, need, we need to make sure we keep it in that realm that it is a top-notch service that they don't even uh, realize what it's doing for them each and every day at the cost that we're providing it. So that's the great day. Then when I go home, I have great grandkids. Uh, I have great, great, not great grandkids yet, but I have great grandkids. So yes. uh, they have been a joy to me. Uh, I love to hunt and fish in this territory. It's it's awesome uh, to do. Um, I do a lot of uh uh, a lot of activities out there you really cannot want for any activity here in the valley. So uh, I don't care if you're a cyclist or uh, a mountain hiker or uh, a, a, a sport outdoorsman like me, a sportsman and other things. Uh, you really can find, even if you you like computer games or whatever else, uh, we're, we're becoming, uh, we have several of our universities now doing esports, uh, esports yes. sort of st- uh, um, a curriculum. So, man, you just cannot – uh, turn around without finding something to do out here in the valley, and and uh, honestly, we're we're so blessed to be here, and I'm so blessed to live the majority of my life here in the valley. Greg, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining us today, and I appreciate uh, the fact that you run a system that, frankly, we almost take for granted every day. We don't have to worry about it. So, uh, appreciate you joining us. I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. This podcast has been brought to you by the Shenandoah Valley Partnership. Thanks for listening.